And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Like, oh, your pulse is very low. Your resting pulse is very low. Hmm. All right. Well, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. And uh, Imitating Art, we like to analyze and dissect movies and see what kind of life lessons we can pull from them to uh, apply to our own lives. And today we're going to be talking about the movie In the Heights by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, which I believe was his first Broadway play. Is that right? I think so. If, if not, then it was at least his first uh, like big popular one. Yeah, I didn't. And actually, when I went into the movie, I did not know that it had been a, a stage play, or at least I had forgotten that it was. And uh, as we were watching, I was like, is is this, this is very theatrical. And I also didn't, I completely forgot that it was a Lin-Manuel Miranda thing. So when he showed up as the vendor, I was like, hey, there he is. That's why this movie <laughs> sounds so much like him. Oh, why is Alvi here? Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, but it was super fun. And I, I'll say it went, it went by really fast. It did not feel like a two and a half hour movie to me at all. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, do you want to say what it's about? Uh, sure. Uh, so In the Heights is about a small community in Washington Heights, uh, mostly a um, Dominican uh, community uh i guess they're they're originally from dr right is that like like or their or their 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 predecessors are i think the the main character is definitely originally from the dominican republic he he was there until he was 8 they say right and so basically uh it it, it revolves around the whole community and uh the, like the the kind of older members of the community down to the, like the young members and kind of showcases that how they're going through life differently and how things are changing in that neighborhood. Uh, the, uh, the one girl who has just come back from college is kind of dealing with how and why she left and what it's like to be back in that community after leaving to, you know, go to bigger and better places, going to Stanford and, you know, kind of dealing with having to come back after deciding to leave that school. And, um, and then we're also, we're also dealing with a couple of other couples and, uh, family members of hers and groups that are dealing with uh, gentrification and losing some of their housing, trying to figure out how to make money, how to deal with not making enough money to keep their neighborhood the way that it was and keep out like kind of developers and things like that. Um, and it really kind of runs the gamut through all that stuff. And we get to watch some like some love stories happen. You get to watch some some families kind of uh, get pressed and come back together and it's really just about the community coming together to help themselves. And it's it's just kind of like a, a nice little portrait of, of Washington Heights as a community. Yeah, and it's it's all like centered around uh their dreams for their yeah. lives. Like like that's the central theme of the movie. El Suenito. Um, yeah, uh, little dream. Yep. Uh so it's all about w what their dreams are, what they're doing to make them happen or or why they can't make them happen, yeah, uh, and or whether they're able to take steps to to get closer to their dreams, or why their dreams are falling apart. Like with, the, I can't remember any of the characters' names right now. Me either. But but the uh, Nina is the one who just came back from college. So like you know right. why, what her dream was, and why that might be falling apart. And uh, so yeah, it, it's really just about poor people and how hard it is just to 
sort of make a living and make life the the way they want it to be. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit about everything. It's about community and family and racism and gentrification and just like figuring things out and figuring out how to like live your life the way you want to live it. So it really pushes, you know, stu- stuffs a lot of themes into one great film that, and to an amazing soundtrack at that, of course, because... <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those movies where yeah. uh, I liked the... Like, I thought the movie was fine, but I really liked the soundtrack. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, if the um, movie didn't have the music, I would have been much less invested in all of it. And, like, the music definitely kept it going, and uh, just, like, the way he turns a phrase is just really fun. And uh, and like his he has that very specific way of delivering lines or like the way that the, the music is written the cadence and everything so it's it's come to be very popular with Hamilton and I just I, I just really like the way that it like I like the way that it flows yeah uh, some of the because uh, not all of the songs are like hip-hop influenced only right. a few of them are but um, they had like I I like the music from Hamilton but if I had one negative to say about it it's that the the rap songs use like one or two different rhythms like flows to yeah. to the lyrics becomes and a bit tropey after just a while. over and over again but i mean musicals do that you know you listen to sure. lay miz and there's like three different melodies throughout the entire play yeah but uh and even this one did use like the reprise of some of the some of the songs yeah like so, some of those rhythms from hamilton were also present in in the hip-hop songs in this it doesn't take away from the songs i just instantly recognized it as this is just how Lin-Manuel Miranda writes a rap song. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, and it's great. And, but th- this one did feel a little more eclectic in the musical styles. And I wonder if that had to do with like trying to bring like the different members of like slightly different sides of the community together as well. Whereas like the, uh, the, the salon people and then the, you know, the, the, the people from the other side of the, the block or whatever. And even when they were dancing, they had that kind of thing as well. They were showcasing a couple of different styles of dance in the like kind of dance off scene yeah yeah like the different styles kind of reflect the different kinds of characters you had like the uh the women at the uh the salon had that sort of like almost early 2000s like latin pop sound Mm -hmm. going on that was popular with like you know jennifer lopez and mark anthony and stuff like that and then the uznavi had you know he was like the hip-hop guy and 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 benny like they had the real like rhythmic hip hop like flowy uh, songs. Just to and say really quickly, the way he got his name is really funny. <laughs> it's funny because when uh, when they said something about uh, how he got his name, I was like, "Who's Navi? Is it U.S. Navy?" <laughs> uh, so you 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 called it before? Well, I I had slightly before because they said it literally uh, right before they revealed it. Yeah, um, it was, but that that was a funny little little thing they put in there. Yeah, and this was another one where I had uh, the captions on while I was watching it, especially for mostly for the songs. Yeah, because a lot of those lyrics were going by like rapid fire. Definitely. So, and you know, in a in a musical, if a musical is doing sort of what it classically is supposed to do, it's giving you story and character through the songs. So I was like, I don't want to just kind of ignore the songs and enjoy them as songs. Cause they're oh yeah, no. I mean, a lot dialogue. of the plot moved through the songs. Yeah, so I had uh, the captions on, so I got to see Uznavi's name. Okay. Oh, so you, you so you were able to read it before, which is spelled with an I, but oh. still, but still um, gives you um, enough information. Yeah. So when they said something about oh, 
where'd you get your name or whatever and i was like who's navi hmm it reminded <laughs> me of uh in uh arrested development when job can't remember his wife's name yeah and she's in the army and he looks at the tag on her uh uniform that says u.s army and he's like us army <laughs> Did that happen before or after this? That had to be before, right? Before, yeah. That was like uh, 2003 or 2005 or something, right? Yeah, in, in the Heights, <laughs> the play, I think I saw that it premiered in 2008. That's great. So, yeah, it was it was before this. But hmm. still, still a good joke. And what I think yeah. is brilliant about it is that uh, to white people, we don't know Uznavi is not like a, a traditional like Latino yeah. or, or Dominican, Dominican name. Yeah. So the fact that it's a made-up name by his his father. It's funny. I, I thought they were like... Puerto Rican. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that was a Scrubs reference, everyone. Um, speaking of Scrubs references, um, I wanted to say a little uh, little theory <laughs> that we came up with. Speaking of uh, Little Dream and El Sueñito, the um, it, a lot of this thing going into the end had to do with like their dreams, but also like they were kind of on that island, but they weren't really on the island. Uh, so I just kept getting thoughts of Lost and like mm-hmm. the guy, did the guy actually, did he actually get on the plane at the end and then he crashed and then this is just all his memory, <laughs> all his imagination and he's having like that Scrubs episode, Scrubs musical episode in his mind <laughs> as he's sinking to the bottom of the ocean, mm-hmm. a la Lost. Yeah. Although to be fair, in the Scrubs episode, everything was really happening. They were just hearing right, but she songs. just heard it as music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I just wanted to relate it to the Scrubs episode as well. But it really made me think: this whole thing could just be an episode, like could just be an episode of Lost. This is all just him remembering, and you know, synapses firing right before he dies. Yeah, it, it's it's the flashback se- sequences from yeah. his episode of Lost, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, my my first of two uh, exclamation point names here. Is Jimmy, Jimmy Smiths. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just put I, so, I just put I somehow wasn't expecting Jimmy Smiths. Me either, but he fits perfectly. He works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been I've never been unhappy when Jimmy Smiths shows up in a movie. And it's it's uh, or a TV show. Yeah. It it's also a fun little coincidence Connect, because connection to Rosa. Uh well to Rosa, yeah, but um because Jimmy Smiths plays Amy's dad right. in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Do you remember who plays her brother? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, yeah. Yeah. I I did forget that. Nice. (laughs) Oh, so there is a... It's it's all full circle. All full circle. (laughs) That's great. But I was surprised to see Rosa. At first, I was like, is that Stephanie Beatrice? Yeah. (laughs) It is. Uh, I knew she was in it. I didn't know at all what kind of role she was going to play. I didn't know she was in it, but it was super weird seeing her do those faces, like after getting so used to stone face Rosa. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because... uh, from like I follow her on social media and anytime you watch any interview or anything with her it's completely different than than Rosa almost every other character and actor on that show is playing like some sort of version of themselves except for her and it's so I've gotten used to seeing the real Stephanie at this point I've seen enough clips and interviews isn't her voice like three or four octaves higher than Rosa (laughs) It's quite a bit higher, yeah. Um, Especially in this movie, like I feel like she was playing it up in this one. Like she was yeah. definitely playing that like Latina bubblegum girl. Yeah, she was almost playing like a like a Rosie Perez type. Yeah, great cast. I mean, yeah. of course. Yeah, I also did want to say I didn't know what to expect uh, from this movie. I thought it was going to be slightly more like hard hitting. 
Me too. Like Hamilton is a little more serious and a little darker. Um, so I and I knew that this was about you know poor people in a small neighborhood in New York. So you've seen enough movies about that kind of community where you expect it to be a little more like. I didn't expect like Spike Lee, but I expected it to be a little harsher. Yeah, uh, me too. And for sure, it was a little. It was a little Disneyer than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, it was. It was more surface level than deep, but it definitely had a lot of things going on. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike it. I just, you know, that was my reaction to the mm-hmm. movie. Um, so uh, as I said, I didn't know that this was a play or a stage play previously. So when I was looking at a lot of the shots, I was like, it does feel very like a musical on stage, like the way they shot it. And obviously the choreography, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the choreography reminded me of like Bollywood dancing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, especially and that, was that pool I, sequence. I, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the pool sequence is one of my favorite for the, especially the shot. Uh, I really love the photography in this, like the shot directly from above where she's in the, the, the ring, like the mm-hmm. pool ring and the people are spinning around her in opposite directions and they're flipping like the yeah, visuals well, were just really, really great. Yeah. Well, like synchronized swimming shots like that are always fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And they, they, they were, they shot a lot of reflections in this movie as well. And I liked, I liked a lot of the reflections and, and I would like to give you one specific example, but I just, I, I did note it. And I remembered seeing just like they would pan from a reflection and I was like, mm. I, okay, I, I see what you're doing there. I like it. <laughs> but, uh, the only the only thing that really stood out as like not fitting in was the scene where they were on the side of the building, like you know, at, oh. at toward the end, like where they were dancing on the fire escapes, and yeah, you could see like the way the lighting was done that it was like stage lighting, not uh, not real diffuse lighting from from the natural world, and yeah. then when like everything started to turn, I was like, oh wow, this didn't expect this, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of those little moments that came out of nowhere with like the ribbons in the sky, mm-hmm. some of that stuff. And I was like, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just kind of jarring because everything else is kind of set in reality. Yeah. I mean, except for all the singing. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, well, yeah, it's, but at, at this point, musicals have existed for so long that we are willing to accept singing as part of the reality right. of, of a world. Yeah. This is how we talk to um, each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like we understand it as they're really just talking to each other as characters, but we're hearing it as a song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the other aspects are, are less expected. So they're a little more, you have to learn to yeah. le- learn to deal with them is not what I want to say, but um, I was wondering if yeah, that was just like, them. if that was an homage to like whatever the stage play was like, just because, I mean, it was, it was a really cool scene. Yeah, but it feels like something that would be a lot like cooler to see live, like on on stage as well. Sure, I, I was just trying to figure out what it might represent. I, I didn't get anywhere. I didn't think too hard on it, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah, other than, yeah, some kind of metaphor for love. I don't know, but they didn't really play with it too much. Besides just having them walk up the wall and then come back down to the balcony. Yeah, it was still cool though. With yeah, like definitely. The, with like the sunset in the distance, like that. That was. Yeah, nice. it was. I mean, it was beautiful seeing the the George Washington Bridge in the background and sunset over New Jersey. Yeah, I like that. I almost don't know anyone in the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always makes uh, makes it easier to see a, a character. Yeah. Rather than an actor, so and especially when they're doing really well. Like I thought the the guy who played Benny was was really great 
Like mm-hmm. he was great at the the rapping songs and singing songs, but also just being Benny. Like that yep. introduction song that he did as like the dispatch rap. I thought that was that was one of my favorite songs in the whole movie. Yeah, the dispatch rap was really cool. Um, I also liked the what was the younger one's younger kid's name? Sunny. Uh, Sunny. Okay. I think he had a cool he had a cool one also. There was a lot of good. There was just a lot of good yeah. character based stuff in there. Yeah, the one Sunny did, I think, in the pool, right? Where he did Next like that really, pool. where he did that like really passionate like. Oh yeah, actually, and it, and it, he was in was the really pool cool. eventually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, lo- I loved his thing next to the pool, then into the pool. Yeah, that was that was a great, like, opening up of his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that actor, too, like, he, he's just, he almost reminded me of, like, a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where I'm like, hmm. this kid is just, like, he's an adorable little kid, but he's just, even without doing anything, he's just weirdly charming. Yeah, and I, he's, like, got, he's got skills. Yeah, I, and I'm just on board for what this character is doing just because I think the kid is doing it very well. Yeah. He carry. yeah, he definitely carries the emotion with him where you can, you, you follow his emotions as it goes. If he's like just chilling, you're just, you're okay. And then if he's like upset in the scene, you follow that thread with him. Yeah. And even though he's one of the smaller characters, ultimately he, he's got like almost like the central story arc about like he's, he's a dreamer. Uh, not yeah. just in the thematic way that they talk about their dreams, but he's, you know, a DACA yeah. dreamer mm-hmm. and eventually learns that, you know, he might not be able to go to college. And it's, you know, about like you get to see him growing up in the neighborhood and what it all means to a, a young person with the, their entire life in front of them. Yeah. And, and the way it affects their decisions. Yeah, it's definitely interesting watching him and Nina interact in that scene because you're looking at someone who has like kind of ha- has had the college experience and kind of chosen to leave it for multiple reasons and then the kid who is you know a freshman or whatever and very upset that he is not going to be able to go to college because that you know that's his dream at this moment but he hasn't been there to experience it like she has. And then, you know, her view of what it might have been was probably more like his. She gets there right. to realize what it really is like. And then she kind of feels like she can't go back to that environment. So it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting watching them kind of play off of each other. Yeah. And it's, it is because, especially since the, like part of her problem with college was that her real purpose for being there was really just getting away from Washington Heights. Like she didn't have a purpose other than that. So the fact that there were things that were like trying for her there and I mean, they would be trying for anyone like the, the racism and the the classicism that was there. But the, the fact that she didn't really have a real purpose for being there didn't give her the drive to overcome it. Yeah. That's definitely the, like, no matter where you go, there you are. Like yeah. you, she went to college thinking that that would change everything about her, but really that just changed where she was in the world. And she realized that she didn't belong there either. She didn't find her, the home that she was looking for, the, you know, her founder find her place in the world. Yeah. Um, I like the, um, theme of the thread in the, you know, in, in the little, um, what are they? I don't actually know what they are. Like the little doilies thingies that she she oh, puts yeah. thread through that she uh, sews on, and they said that uh, the little like they're the little details that tell the world we aren't invisible. Like we're still here, 
and like everybody praises her her sewing and her her designs that like the the launder the the laundromat guy or the dry cleaning guy was like how much you want for them mm -hmm. and she's like they're, they're too important you can't sell this like we have to keep this within the family we don't want mm -hmm. them to go out to the the guy who bought the store <laughs> the $12 dry cleaner next door to like the little local shop yeah <laughs> um um, but they they play with that scene a little bit, or they they play with that theme a little bit, and that comes it comes in and out and goes back, comes back in, and I I think that's a nice, a nice way to talk about like community and passing things down from the older generations to the new ones, and how things change. Yeah, I mean, because if you just sell it to someone, they're not learning anything about what it is; they're just owning it. Yep. Um, Which is kind of like that thing, like the 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 white business owner thinks he can just buy the culture of the the Latino people that live there. Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about that last week with, uh, Ma Rainey's black bottom. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, yeah. You're right. Off that topic real quick, just cause I saw this note, there's a good conversation towards the beginning between Nina and her dad, Jimmy Smith's, uh, when they're eating dinner and they're getting in an argument because Nina says, you know, it's too late. You can't pay for my next, semester of college because uh the deadline's passed and besides you've already sold half of your store uh so you don't need to sell any more to keep me going to college and yeah. and he's just like but no this is you know you have to go to college like no matter what it essentially it's my money i'm gonna do what i want with it and i just thought that's a good like story movie argument because they're both right like they're both just kind of trying to protect each other yeah but Definitely. like neither of them are like they're both making good arguments about why the other should make the right choice. Yeah, uh, it's it's just that those choices are conflicting with each other. Yeah, and I mean she's you know she's she's not being totally honest with him. Sure, and, she's and ultimately protecting herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's and she, he's you know he's just trying to be a parent and do what he thinks is best for her, but. If to to take that to the next the later scene where they have this conversation about it again, she kind of Nina kind of represents is like she's go when she goes off to Stanford Stanford she is representing the, their community there like yeah. and the the community there in Washington Heights wants her to succeed there in, at Stanford because they she represents them she represents the person who got out she is yeah. Will Hunting. Yeah, to the rest of them not able to get out. That's true. Yeah, and they're they're all very proud of her. Like to Yeah, to no, them, they're to she's totally Nina the you know, the Stanford girl. Which yeah, makes she, it harder for her to come back, but Right, yeah, of course, for her too. And her dad says, I'm doing this for you and she screams back at him, No, you're doing this for you because you're seeing it, you're feeling it the failure. If you fail to pay for it for me and if I fail to complete this thing that we all thought I was gonna be able to do, then somehow, you know, you've lost something that you thought was gonna happen. So that was like that was a hard scene to watch definitely like that was one of the more hard hitting scenes to watch him like kind of wash over this realization of he's not as quite as selfless as he thinks he is in that situation or maybe and maybe maybe without even realizing it yeah well also just him calling stanford to try to pay anyway even though she clearly didn't want him to like yeah. that's kind of not cool even though it ultimately worked out in the story in the real world that's just not a cool move yeah, well, I understand again, and, why and, he did it because he's just being a parent, but still. Exactly, I was going to say, and that's that's definitely probably the definitely probably the thing that uh, 
he doesn't even really realize this is kind of like a knee jerk of like, I'm going to do anything I can to f- do what I think is right for my daughter. And yeah, yeah. He doesn't you know, realize he's overstepping. How she feels either. Like she, he doesn't want to, she wasn't honest with him. He didn't pry any further to find out if there was something else. So that misunderstanding really kind of drove that, that situation. Yeah. I, they they were both being kind of hard headed about it really. Yeah. Well, like father, like daughter. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. One of the quotes I have written down here too is from from early in the movie is the the one guy just talking to the delivery driver said the hustle never ends and I feel like that could just be like a sub subtitle of this movie basically yeah. like just showing how much you have to work even harder as like a community that is trying to be bought out by you know uh, by rich people trying to take over every possible space there there is in New York and you know Manhattan and the Bronx yeah and and. I mean, that's essentially Lin Manuel Miranda's character, right? Like, he's only in like two oh, or yeah. three scenes. He doesn't really have an arc or anything, really. But he is just that person who. Yeah. He's just piragua, piragua. Yeah, yeah. He's just <laughs> he, in order to survive, he just has to walk the streets every day, selling essentially water ice. Yeah. And pour uh, and pour sugar water on top of people's ice cream cones they just bought from Mr. Frosty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. Softy, whatever it is. It was Mr. Softy. <laughs> Mr. Frosty is from the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, that that came out of nowhere because I would not have if you asked me to name the characters on Pete and Pete, I would not have thought of it. But I just did just episode. bring that show up <laughs> like two days ago. Well, since I mean, basically, what we were just talking about—the gentrification of this neighborhood. Versus the community that's trying to hold on to it by all, you know, with everything they got. And that's kind of really what you see is the push in the pool and the tug of war of people trying to hold on, like selling half their business versus Mm -hmm. all of it, just because like we can't get rid of all of it. You know, you still got to have something to bring money in. And if you sell your business, you make money once and then you have no income at that point, or you have to move uptown to Grand Avenue or wherever the salon was moving. Yeah, well, that's, she was getting priced out of, of the yeah, salon. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> that's how <laughs> that's how it works. Slowly, yeah. just get priced out. Yep. Um, I did want to note real quick that the scene of Sunny asking uh, Vanessa out for Usnavi was really sweet and cute. It was, and super awkward and amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like uh, because she was clearly from the beginning also interested in Usnavi, so it just happened to work out yeah. and also again sunny was is just this adorable and charming little kid yeah. so little kid he's like 12 or 13 he's not that little but uh so yeah. it just worked into this the cuteness of the asking out one of my favorite lines uh later in the movie in one of the songs was that all the girls singing to her don't you realize you get all your coffee for free <laughs> yeah <laughs> there there's no way she didn't realize that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it was a great a great line to call her out on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, money. I mean, when the lottery ticket comes into things and everybody starts finding out that there's $96,000 and people, somebody has this ticket in the community, mm-hmm. like, they just all go on that, like, that dream sequence of like what would i do if i if i had the money also i really like that song it was that was a great little song but mm-hmm. just watching how like much every single person was like my life will change if i had ninety six thousand dollars not to say that's not a lot of money but well it, i was gonna in, say like to to 
people who make a lot of money, $96,000 is nothing. But the people right. who make nothing, $96,000 is life-changing amount of money. Exactly. And there's the, and there's that, like that rub again, you get, you know, the, the people, you know, people who are buying out this neighborhood, that, that money would mean nothing to them. But like these people, like they could literally change, they could change the course of their life and their community. Yeah. As soon as they said someone won, I was like, it's it's abuela, right? It's got to be abuela. Oh, really? I didn't figure that one out. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty I sure right they showed her get, getting a ticket in the beginning. And they didn't show too many people buying a ticket. It was like, it's got to be someone who bought one. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, eh, it makes sense for abuela to do it. Apparently, I looked at the plot of the play. And apparently, they switched like sequences around a bit for the movie in, in ways that clearly make sense. Because it doesn't feel like that has happened when you watch the movie. But apparently, you know pretty much from the beginning that she won the lottery oh really hmm. yeah um i i mean i I like i like the way they did it in this in this way like the reveal yeah, me too um, i mean i will say this even though i guess it, i could have been wrong yeah and and it's still even even though i did guess it guess it uh it was still a fun reveal at, at the end when he found the ticket yeah and it's i mean it's also funny that like the poorest people are usually the ones who spend a lot of their money on lottery tickets that they're almost definitely not ever going to win, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's just, it's just that dream, that little dream that they might win one day is just enough to give them a little boost to keep going that, you know, I may as well just buy another ticket. Cause maybe you never know. I see people spend a lot of money on lottery tickets. I was watching when I was in Florida, my, my grandmother and my, my dad's girlfriend both were kept talking about lottery tickets and they kept talking, they kept saying when I win, they never said if <laughs> they always <laughs> said when, and they were like, when I win the lottery, all my family is getting some money. <laughs> and, and I was like, how much money have you spent on the lottery? Because she was going to buy like 15 tickets. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you just take all the money you spend on the lottery and put it in a little jar, you can win the lottery once a year. If you just dig it up at Christmas time. Yeah. Cause they buy like multiple tickets a week for like the pick six or like the jackpot. Yeah. And it's funny because like buying multiple tickets doesn't like exponentially help your chances. No. Like if you buy 15 tickets, if one ticket it has a one in a million chance, you just have a 15 in a million chance. Yeah. And not even that because anyway. It's astronomical. But anyway, um, you might be able to clear clear one thing up for me. I didn't go back and check. But uh, at one point, uh, Uznavi starts wearing that cabbie hat. Mm-hmm. Was that his dad's? Yeah. Uh, at Right like at that dinner right before they go to the club they mention like someone mentions that it's his dad's hat okay and i kind of i got that impression based on the way he was speaking to abuela about it but i wasn't 100 percent. but like especially because uh when she put it on she said something like you're wearing your dad's hat and he said if it to the effect like i i I just like that little metaphor of like he's you know he's kind of taken on the role of what his dad took on (laughs) and he's maybe going to continue to try to keep the community alive and together a little, little foreshadowing with the hat scene. Yeah. Um, I, I like, even though it's kind of like a cheesy movie thing to do, I like that he wakes up every day and, you know, looks at the picture of his dad and like says good morning to him. And like, that's part of his morning yeah. routine. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, just Repetition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we were all, this is kind of a, uh, aside from everything but like the so much of this felt like a welcome back for broadway almost like so many of these people that work on stage 
have not been able to work for the last year or more. And like, it's finally like kind of coming back or is going to be back in September. They're finally able to get work again. But I feel like this is kind of like a breath of fresh air for people who love Broadway and haven't been able to see musicals. Plus, especially the people who work on Broadway and work in musicals, because it's just like, it really felt so much like being at a stage show and I would love to see it on stage as well. Yeah. And especially a welcome back since this movie was first come out last year. It's oh a, yeah. It's I was a, wondering what do you know when it's they a COVID filmed it? Movie. Uh I mean they I'm pretty sure they filmed it before COVID, so they okay. must have filmed it in twenty nineteen. Okay, okay. Oh, but did they hold it because they wanted to show it in theaters? I believe so. It's one of the okay. I think it was supposed to come out last summer. I was gonna say there's no way like they were definitely they were filming on location so much, there's no way that they got all those people together during twenty twenty. Yeah, oh yeah, no. <laughs> okay. That makes much more sense then. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Although I watched it on HBO, so cause it's yeah. one of those HBO Max. Oh no, sim- yeah, sorry, that's where I watched it too. Yeah, I didn't know. You, oh, do you, does Kristen have HBO Max? Mm-hmm. Nice. I was like, yeah. I know you don't. No, <laughs> no. But there's a uh, yeah, it was nice. Also, she has a projector. So uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan. <laughs> real big on the wall. Well, the other option was watching on a computer screen. So <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's no TV, <laughs> but it was nice, and it was yeah. So maybe having it big was was really nice as well mm-hmm. yeah so speaking of abuela the her scenes in the subway were just really incredible and i just really loved the way they did that and the flashbacks and the switching and like the the choreography there was just really really nice as well and it really yeah. told a long story in a short time yeah um it was a cool sequence it's it's a good way of getting like the idea that this person has lived a, a full complete life in mm-hmm. It, over the course of like a three minute song yeah and i mean just the simplicity of her like lying there smiling watching her family and her community just enjoy life and have a good time like that was like the perfect way for her to go out yeah uh, like she kind of like knew everything in, was going to be okay yeah even in the middle of like you know a blackout when things aren't necessarily going really well but everyone's still kind of joking about like laughing about all the stupid things they just did trying to get home in a blackout yep um also i just love the way benny stepped up and was like gotta get to the dispatch oh yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah he didn't even think moment. twice about it he just went yeah yeah he saw the taxi and he was like oh wait people need yeah. to get places um, and then then uh heard the uh the dad showed up as well jimmy smith showed up as well smith, and yeah. helped out yeah um but anyway yeah that, that was a good uh abuela sequence claudia I forget who said who said this quote, but uh, they somebody said sometimes dreams aren't so pretty. I think that might have been Nina, who said that that uh, might have been about the college situation, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But I mean, it definitely has like that was a nice like third act kind of arc thing where they were like, well, we're talking about our dreams, and he might be leaving, and things are not going the way we want them to in the community in general. So. She said, somebody said, sometimes dreams aren't so pretty. And I, I was like, that's, that's a nice little like hurdle to get over by the end. Just like realize that not everything is going to always be roses and you got to kind of get through the bad times, but see the, see the light <laughs> beyond and you're going to, you'll, you'll be able to get through it if you have help and if you have family and community, which is a big on the lesson side, but definitely, uh, something I really liked that they, that they said in there. Yeah. 
I I didn't I don't remember that, so I don't know if I didn't notice it, but yeah. That was yeah. good good catch. And in the last song there was a seemingly random It's a Wonderful Life reference. Was that, it? Yeah, that I feel like if you don't know It's a Wonderful Life, it seems like such an out of place line. Because one of the lines in the song is Uznavi saying, uh, like, Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building and loan. Hmm. Uh, which is a direct line from It's a Wonderful Life. In a very similar, like, running through the community, like, joyous sequence. But I was like, it just, it almost felt like something that he wouldn't have said. It, it's like the one line that felt almost completely out of place in the movie. I still liked it because I love It's a Wonderful Life. Um, nice little homage. Yeah. Um, it, the, wait, It's a Wonderful Life is Christmas. Is all a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Well, the climax okay. takes place during Christmas. Okay. I think, wait, where does it take place? The fictional town of Bedford Falls, New York. Okay, so here's my thing. I, I think I might have seen that movie once, but I always, when I hear It's a Wonderful Life, I always think Life is Beautiful. Okay. Which is a very different movie. Very different. Yes. It's like messing up 28 days with 28 days later. Sure. Well, <laughs> so. I don't know because not quite as extreme, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because even though Life is Beautiful is about the Holocaust, it's one of the less depressing movies about the Holocaust mm -hmm. in in a, in a way, just because of the way the father character plays it. That sounds like that sounds like it would be a category on Netflix. Less depressing movies about the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> they they would get that minute with it. I remember at one point they were suggesting me. <clears throat> French crime thrillers of the 1960s. That is extremely specific. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't have had that many in there, could they? Or did and, they just and, did they just get a swath of them that they well, bought all the rates oh, at once? <laughs> okay, so this was before streaming. This, oh, okay, this, this was, was the, when you were getting the DVDs. the DVDs. I see. So they had a lot of options. This is when you got the catalog in the mail and you had to call in <laughs> and punch in your number to get your DVD delivered. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is uh, when you saw the number for the music video on the TV screen and you had to call the number and, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, another quote that I have written down is, uh, sometimes you work so hard to get there, you forget what's here. And, again, that'll probably be more of a thing that comes up in lessons, but... I was going to say, have we moved on to lessons? <laughs> but it goes along with, like, the thing that... Uh, I made a very quick note that she sees a future that he can't. So I think that's um, Nina saying, like, kind of trying to show Znavi, you can have a life here. Like, when she finally kind of comes around and realizes that he's actually leaving, he's like... Uh, so, Vanessa, probably? Oh, I'm sorry, Vanessa. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. And also, the Vanessa song is great, speaking of, <laughs> at the end. But... Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's seeing a future that he can't see and like she's building it up in her mind like what they could have together and then like he finally it's what he wanted but he had finally kind of accepted that it wasn't going to happen and he's going to leave and he has this big dream for what's going to happen in the dominican republic and he's going to like build this thing there that they had in the past that you know it's all literally in shambles right now right uh by the way, uh, so this movie didn't give me like a whole lot of emotion for most of the movie. So I was surprised when uh, Vanessa kissed Uznavi at the end. I got that like, you know that feeling you get when you're watching a movie scene that you really like? That yes. just like finally pays off everything all at once? Yeah. And I, was, and I was like, oh, like it caught me off guard that I was like moved by her kissing him. 
I'm yeah, because I feel like I'm I just happy saw about it. it. I saw it coming, but it was still emotional when it happened. Yeah, it just made me happy. Yeah, and I guess it was it was well well acted as well and well shot the way yeah. they did it. Yeah, because I mean, by that point, Uznavi had like he had been desiring her like the entire movie, but at this point, he was he kind of realized he had had his chance, missed it. They were just kind of friends now. He was going to move. Like, he wasn't expecting anything. And so it caught him off guard, believably, on his face. How long did you... How long did it take you to figure out that they weren't really on the island? Uh, it was in that scene. The painting scene? Uh, as soon as I saw, like, the stuff yeah. painted on the wall, I was like, I, yeah, bet, they're, I, I, I bet they're in the, in the deli or whatever. Yeah, when I saw like the stuff painted on the wall, I was like, so maybe he's not going to leave. So maybe they're not really on the island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring it right back to Lost for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, li- I, li- I like that scene a bit too. I mean, it, it did the whole thing with bringing the community together, like them taking the initiative to get, like, help out and paint, you know, paint things and make it into like something that's just theirs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was, it, it was a nice ending. And then he got to have both. He, like, he got to have, you know, his dad's bar in, in, mm-hmm. in, in a way. And, you know, still got to have his little corner shop and yep. be, be part of the community he loved. Community saved, at least for a while. Yeah. At least it's saved in their hearts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but since I've already been kind of jumping ahead to lessons, I've... I've reached the end of uh, movie stuff. Do you want to move on to lessons after a little break? Yeah, uh, believe it or not, I I don't even think I have one more thing. You know, I'm not even <laughs> going to look through my notes. If I look you're through my gonna, notes, I'll find one gonna more thing. You're not going to Peter this week? All right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, well, then, let's take a little break. We'll be right back with some lessons. Okie doke. Since we said soft pretzels, I think we're back. Yeah, we can be back. I already kind of started dipping my toe into lessons, so I wanted to backpedal a little bit uh, before I got too far down the down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there's like musicals, like a lot of other, like some of the other movies we've watched. They definitely put the lessons right there in your face, and they tell you what they want you to know, or they mm-hmm. sing it to you. Yes. Um, but I mean, this all—it all starts off like the first words in the movie are like "El Sueñito," like little dreams. So you know they're talking about like big dreams and figuring out if the dreams are going to work. And they revisit that and they say sometimes dreams aren't so pretty. So you know you have these big ideas of what life's going to be like, what Stanford's going to be like, mm-hmm. or what the island is going to be like, and it doesn't always—you know—it's not always going to work out that way. And there's there's going to be obstacles. But yeah. they also say start small, dream big. Yeah, I was going to mention that too, which is which is a, a that that actually is a really great like practical way of saying it. Like, dream big, but work hard. Basically, like start small and then build on that. Like, you have to start with a single building block before you get anywhere, but set your sights really high, mm-hmm. you know. But but they also like kind of temper those expectations by saying, you know, dreams aren't always pretty. Like, dreams don't always end up the way you expect them to. But if you're still with people that you care about, then you make it work and you come together and help each other make it work. Yeah. It, it's funny. I've, I've almost feel like they should have included someone who 
shot their shot, missed, and is just, like, kind of happily living their life knowing that they tried, even if they failed. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that could have helped a bit, just, just, just to drive home that just try and yeah just trying is worth it even if you fail yeah just be happy that you got a chance to take your shot and that you still land around you know the community or whatever yeah um and i also said work you work so hard to get there you forget what's here which ties in as well that like when you have your sights set on one big dream you like kind of have blinders on and you lose sight of what you actually have around you right now. Like you spend all of your time working to try to get something that you think is going to be good. Where, where if you just like kind of stopped and realized that you have something that's really good right here where you are. Mm -hmm. Or, or losing sight of right here. can also be trying so hard to get, like make your dream happen that when it fails, you're like a, like you don't want to go back or you're afraid to go back to your support system yeah uh, like or you know embarrassed or you think it's below you when in nina's case you mean in, in nina's case but i mean just uh i feel like it's been a, a character trope for a while i can't think of any specifics but just failing and then not wanting to go home and face because then then it really feels like failure yeah um uh, yeah, when yeah, you have to just, own up to it, to people who like were like told you you could do anything all your life, and were like, go yeah, get out there and go do it. We know you're going to succeed. You have to come back and tell them that you failed, even though it's not really a failure. Yeah, um, yeah, just you know, not forgetting that that support system is there for you. Uh, if you fall, you just have to accept it and remember that it's there. Yeah, or else you're just alone failing by yourself with no help yep in nina's case coming back from stanford you know she was so so worried about it but then she realized like even though people like wanted to know what had happened they they didn't like push her on it and they didn't make her feel bad about it they just like welcomed her back you know they were so happy to have her back in some you know in some ways her dad was pushing a little bit because he had those expectations but they still like welcomed her back into the community. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like she never left. They just, they just started hanging out again and it was, yeah. and it was fine. Uh, so no judgments. They were surprised yeah. that she dropped out. Of yeah. School, surprised for sure. But they weren't mad at her for it or anything. Yeah. As that, as he decided to stay in the community at the end, uh, and like build the, build the thing there and not leave and not like, take the chance and take and follow the dream and all that. Kristen and I were both like, this movie's not really, this is not really us. This doesn't represent us here. <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not the ones that stay home <laughs> and, and build, build there. We just go off to f see what we're going to find beyond and the hell with the consequences kind of. But, um, I, I just thought it was funny when you kind of, everything kind of happened at the end where you really think he's going to leave right up until like the last couple of minutes. I didn't want him and to everything leave, works out I, well for him. Yeah, by that point, I didn't want him to leave. I was yeah, you know. I, I mean, you definitely have that pool. Yeah, depends yeah. on what perspective you're looking at it from, I guess. Well, I mean, I knew that he had more there. That like he was only going home because he th thought he wanted something there, right? Uh, but he didn't have anything waiting for him there, and you know, 
he had plenty where he was. Yeah. Uh, for, well, for, yeah what, and, for what he wanted to do. Like, right. No, and you're, you're right. Yeah. And, and for his situation specifically, yeah. uh, he definitely already had, he, he just didn't realize he had what he wanted there already. And like, there was just this invisible thing that he thought might be something when he got to the island that is nothing right now versus what he has there, which is kind of everything he wants to build there. He already has a community. He has a, you know, he has a, a woman that loves him now and like a family and like friends and community and all that. And he already has it. He doesn't have to go somewhere else and build it from scratch and hope that it works out. Yeah. He like, he was going there to try to create a community. And, yeah. And, although, I mean, if he didn't have Vanessa, then I, if, if she hadn't have kissed him, then I would have been okay with him leaving, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, if you don't have the girl, then you've got nothing. Yeah. Got to go see about a girl, <laughs> but he had to stay about a girl. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch stole my line. Um, <laughs> Uh, at, at the beginning, they even say, I think Jimmy Smith says, uh, in these blocks, you can't walk two steps without bumping into someone's big plans. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. Uh, which is just to say, everyone in the entire neighborhood has big dreams about what their life is going to be or what they want their life to be. Yeah. And and that was, you know, before the 96,000 song, which mm -hmm. uh, just sort of solidified it. Everybody's dreaming big and hoping they hit the lottery in one way or another. And most of them will end up staying in the community. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a truism in small communities, big communities. Like every person has that idea of what their life is going to be like 30 years down the road. Yep. Uh, and it's usually bigger than what it is at that moment. Oh, for sure. So, you know, and then yeah. like John Lennon says, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans very true and i mean hopes and aspirations are great um and i think like actually and this movie kind of falls in a great time for talking about like having hopes and dreams and having things to look forward to because the last year or so has definitely been hard on people who are just like well i can't leave i can't see people i can't travel i can't you know not everybody, but a lot of people have had their lives put on hold to a point where it's hard to see something that you have to look forward to at times. So being able to make plans and make dreams with a, with a complete uncertainty of when the country or the world or your town is going to open up and when you can leave your house again definitely plays into, I feel like, the kind of um, relief that comes with this movie while things are opening up again. And people can start to follow their dreams and start to hope again and start to look forward to things again. Yeah. If anything, this past year has shown everyone what resources exist for everyone. Because, like, in, in 2020, 2021 now, like, there are just so many resources basically for free. Like, as long as you can afford the internet and, yeah. and a way to access it. Uh, there are just so many resources to do pretty much anything you could ever want to do wherever, wherever you are. Whether that's being creative or staying in touch or, you know, or working from home, finding jobs, getting therapy, whatever you need. Like we've, we are a, uh, we are good at coming up with ways around things <laughs> when we, when we're backed into a corner. Uh, so, and I mean, it helps that the infrastructure was already kind of put into place and we just needed a few 
creative people to kind of move some things around to make it work. But like the fact that we have been able to more or less stay on track socially, um, you know, that's, that's actually, that's great because I feel like something like this without, without like video calling would have been very much, much more difficult for people who are stuck in a small home or in a home by themselves or, you know, not able to go out and like not able to have any human connection, whether that's be digital or especially in person. So it really helps that a lot of these things, you know, in a, in a, in one way, it's definitely good that it happened in a time where we did have the resources to go beyond that and still and do, do zoom therapy or just have zoom chats with your friends across town that you can't actually see in person because you might die. So yeah. it's, uh, mm-hmm. but this is definitely like the kind of like, I kind of am glad that this movie didn't go like down the deep, dark hole that you were kind of, that we were both kind of expecting, you know, it touches on a lot of big subjects, but it doesn't like kind of drag you down the, the sadness Avenue, you know, it kind of keeps you upbeat if only in music throughout the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, and after I thought about it, like it kind of, couldn't do that uh again this was a play that came out in like 2008 it's Lynn manuel miranda's like first as far as i know first really big broadway musical mm-hmm. so and it's as far as broadway musicals go it's kind of a big swing right it's written by uh, a, a cuban person uh starring uh, pretty much an entire entirely latin cast uh it's got hip-hop in it it's got like latin music in it like it's it's fairly far removed from what you think of as like classically broadway but i feel like in order since no one at that point really knew who lin-manuel miranda was it still had to retain like a certain amount of classic broadwayness to it i feel like in order to to happen uh so i feel like he probably went about as far as he could thematically uh, and yeah. still have it be like a commercial success and then he was able to go further with like hamilton and you know whatever is if if he returns to the stage he, he does a lot of movie and tv work now but if he yeah. does return to the stage he could probably go even further with it if he wants to oh definitely i think he has carte blanche at this point but oh yeah um he definitely had to toe the line with this one i'm sure just to make sure it got made yeah um since you kind of brought it up, um, I, the last couple of things I have written down kind of tie together. Um, one of the things I wrote is about Nina in a way was that you may feel like a failure, but others might probably don't see you that way. Like even if she thinks she's like letting people down by coming back, she wasn't, you know, like the, her father's response was a bit of a knee jerk thing, but she came back to a community with open arms and like, they didn't see her as a failure, especially once they knew what had gone on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little girl that was running around, like kind of like spying on her and like giggling and dancing away when she saw her, like she was looking up to her, like she was back and like, she was excited that she was there. She was looking up to her as a role model. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, I wrote that it can be empowering to have role models in your community that look like you. And I mean, the, the term or the, the saying, you can't be what you can't see when it has to do with being in um, people of color, being in media, movies, TV, etc. You don't know that you have a chance to ever go into careers like that or be creative if you can't see those people on screen or on stage. And uh, I don't know. How, I don't know if you've read or seen anything about 
the whole um, like kind of uh, colorism of this movie, and like they they don't involve any like Afro Latina Latinx people in this movie. And Lin Manuel Miranda has been like responding to that on Twitter, and apparently, I mean, he's had like very positive responses of like, well, yes, we really need to, you know, this is something we need to learn more about. And I, he, he's kind of accepting of it. Uh, have you read anything about that? No. So basically they're saying like that the community in Washington Heights is not all like brown Latin people. It's like, there's a lot of uh, Afro Latin people in that community as well that were underrepresented uh, in, in the film. And they've kind of taken that on the chin just to say, yes, that, that, that you're right. And we did have a lot of people in the audition process that were, that were Af- Afro-Latin as well. But at the end of the day, basically what they say is there's not that we, we were looking for the best people, the best performers for, you know, which tends to be a cop out in those situations that's, that's to say, we were looking for the say. best people. They just happen to all be white. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, so it's interesting to see like something that I wouldn't have picked up on at all. But, you know, people in that community spoke up immediately and said, we notice a very, like a big disparity of the amount of, you know, there's the, basically the one black guy in the movie mm-hmm. uh, in the foreground. And then everybody else is kind of relegated to background dancers. So it's kind of interesting to watch this controversy come up in a movie that is very much about discrimination and racism and gentrification and seeing how it can happen in in specific communities in smaller ways than the big ways that we see or we even know about yeah um and it's funny because interesting i was just about to say that you know lin-manuel miranda has gotten himself into a position where he can create those opportunities for people of of you know latin descent to be in to be the entire cast of you know a big hollywood movie like this um it can be the number one movie just about everywhere it seems yeah so like i didn't even i didn't even think about the what wasn't being represented that's what i mean Um, it's like we see you know that that that, kind of just shows like the limited scope we have based on anything like we're looking at it as to say this is great lin-manuel miranda has had the chance to you know represent this community and show these people but really, as it turns out, we we don't know enough about the community to say he has accurately represented it. We're just kind of taking it on faith that he's doing it the right way. And, you know, you got to leave it to the community and the people who are going to speak up and leave it to those people to speak up and say yes or no, this is the way, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what the like the verdict is. I think it's it's pretty fresh right now. So I don't know what the verdict is going to be when it comes down, but it seems like they're being very, like, open and like ready to listen and able to take, you know, kind of take, take their medicine when it comes to this one, I think. And I think they know, they know enough about how this stuff works to take it that way. But it it is really interesting to see it in the, from the perspective of people outside who don't know about it and then seeing the actual community respond to it. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that the verdict is, well, we were able to, create these opportunities for these people right now hopefully we can do better in the future now that yeah now that we can actively think about it that it's been brought to our attention yeah and i'm uh, sure that the response will be we we have to do better and we will do better yeah but at this moment it's going to be like well you could have done better and it's kind of feels like lip service at the moment <laughs> so let's see well you know we'll believe it when we see it yeah although well, i do feel like lynn manuel miranda is the guy who would do it if he can yeah, I was going to say he he will get his chance to 
to prove yes. that, that he is listening. Uh, yes, we just have sure. to, yeah, I was going to say, he's definitely going to have another that. shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to give it away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't help yourself. <laughs> couldn't help myself. Um, yeah. I, well, to go with all that, I put, and I th- thought of this, um, when Nina was talking about her experiences at college, cause part of her problem there was that, uh, there was no community for her at the college. Um, she, like she went from somewhere with this really great supportive community to somewhere where it was just her. And, and that's part of what kind of uh, took away her, her drive when she got there. But so I, uh, I wrote, uh, finding your community is so important, especially when you're away from your usual community. And especially when the majority of people around you aren't your community. Um, yeah. Uh, just that feeling of being alone for whatever reason, especially if you're a minority surrounded by the majority, which is us es- white people. Especially like the <laughs> affluent ma- uh, majority. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard to do it by yourself. So finding of your community or finding that support system especially finding it from scratch in a new place is tough. And uh, I'm glad for her as a character that she was able to go back to her home community, find the drive, like find what her, what she wanted her purpose to be so that she could go back to Stanford and kind of start working towards building that community in other places. Yeah. And also I was going to say, we, you know, she, goes to a place where she has no community of people that look like her, but also she's now like kind of having to come to grips with the fact that she wanted to get away from that community. And now she's in another place where she feels alone for a different reason. Mm -hmm. So grappling with those things, especially like coming of age, like get, you know, becoming turning 18 and leaving your home for the first time and going to a very, very different place. So, like, she's dealing with a lot of things as, like, a young adult that she has to kind of come to grips with all at once. Yeah, especially because at home she was the the special one. Right, yeah. And you definitely don't, she doesn't stand out. She's a special one for the wrong reason at Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another lesson I wrote down um, during the Carnival de Barrio sequence uh, I wrote, sometimes you just got to dance slash carnival de barrio, uh, <laughs> what, whatever that means to you. Sometimes choosing joy, even momentarily, is the only way to overcome those awful times. Uh, you know, why can't you just decide to be happy and be happy? Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, that sequence at the beginning, I thought it wasn't going to add much, but j- just and then, you know, Sonny came in and brought his own thing into it. Uh, but just that idea of yeah, things are shitty right now. Let's dance. Like let's have fun. Yeah. We just because things are bad doesn't mean we can't decide to still have fun sometimes. Yeah, no, it's, and that that and that's a that's a great lesson from from them from the from the older uh, salon owner yeah. of being like we've been through like we've been through all this. And this is gonna you know she was she I believe she's the same one who said we went through all these trials, like real trials throughout history. And you're saying like taking the G train is going to stop you from coming to my shop now. Yeah. <laughs> um, that also reminded me of the, the thing they mentioned a couple of times and the thing that was painted on the wall uh, in the shop at the end, uh, which was patience and faith. 
Yeah, that was um, uh, Abuela's song. Yeah, and th- I mean, and that's kind of what they're saying. Like, you know, things if things aren't good, just have patience and have faith that it will work out, and you know, just keep on keep on going. Yeah. Again, in, in the case of, in the face of racism, and horrible things like racism, having that community uh, to fight with you if 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 you do need to fight like if you do need to make it happen and patience and faith isn't going to work then being a part of a community who you can trust to have your back is going to be important so mm-hmm. it's, it's i only say that to because in my head i don't think patience and faith is always going to be enough but definitely not no you gotta have, <laughs> you gotta put some hard work in there too yeah but um but it, but it certainly helps during the hard times yeah yeah, I mean, I think patience is more important than faith. <laughs> For but, sure. you know, that's m- my personal feeling. Like, sometimes you're not always going to get what you want when you want it. But if you're patient and you continue doing what you're doing, maybe it th- it will work out. Um, or at least you'll find something along the way that does. Yeah. You know. I'm only thinking about, you know, when we talked about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom last week, about how it it, it was that kind of, nothing but patience and faith is kind of what made the levy break in the end. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much, a little too much patience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, I, there was one other thing I had written down, which was a abuela saying as well, which I believe, uh, I believe it was hers. She said, spread dignity in small ways. Hmm. And it was mentioned more than once. At one point she mentioned it when she had to, uh, when she handed the, the little cloth over to Nina, I believe. And I think that was just kind of like her way of saying, you know, the small acts can have big effects, especially when it comes to like showing somebody you care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abuela was definitely like the like that root that that thing that held the community together. So it was nice to kind of see the community stick it out after her death, and you know, come together and grow. You know, watch them kind of grow a little bit older and bring the new generation in, which was the kids on the fake beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. At the end, it was like them going out to like dance and play in the street, the way that we had been watching everyone else do the entire movie. Oh yeah, that's the 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 um, fire uh, hydrants opening up and them dancing in the fire hydrants was a cool, yeah. a cool thing, a cool way to end it. Yeah. When when did you guess that that was uh, his daughter? Uh, pretty pretty early on. Well, she called him daddy at one point oh. while she was sitting while they were sitting on the fake beach. Uh, the yeah. only time I remember I her calling her daddy was at the very end. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess he guess they got married and had four kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I realized she she did call him daddy while she was sitting on like the log while he was telling the story. Yeah, the only time I remember her saying daddy was right at the very end, like right before it was revealed that her mom was Vanessa. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I missed it the first time. Yeah, I just didn't know who those other kids were. <laughs> well, he did have that like parental pride moment when she was the only one who could repeat back all the names that he had just said right yeah and i was like i think i know three of those people yeah i i knew a few of them but now i I honestly don't remember remember the isabel frida yeah uh, it was it was rita carmen cassandra and oh wait no that's mambo number five sorry (laughs) (laughs) the trumpet (laughs) <laughs> yeah um i was like i should look up that list and learn who they are for myself actually <laughs> yeah haven't done it yet 
Well, me, me neither, but I just watched it yesterday, so. Same. <laughs> so I'll give myself a break. Yeah. Um, that's all I have over here. That's all I have. Is this our first musical? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hmm. believe so. Hmm. I really like this one. I... It's funny, because at some point, about half hour in, I thought, and I actively made the note that uh, this movie isn't for Don. <laughs> I was, really? Yeah. Just, uh... Hmm. I didn't expect you to uh, react so positively to it. Oh yeah, surprised. I mean, I, I love musicals, and like I, I love, you know, I, I love seeing stuff on on stage, uh, and I, you know, I think my the only thing that I would maybe not like about it, which wasn't the case, was that I'm watching it on, a, you know, watching it on a screen instead of watching it in person because I always feel like it will be better in person because you just get like that more visceral feeling and you can hear them echoing and you can hear their foot you can feel their footsteps when they dance and it's just like and it's just great to see stuff like this live but no i think they they did a really good job translating it to the, the screen or you know making it work in different ways and like moving into the pool and having you know the photography was just really fun for this one so yeah actually no, i mean i i loved it yeah i did like that one moment where the camera dipped under the pool and the music got drowned out <laughs> yeah yeah i appreciated that as well that was yeah. great <laughs> yeah. um but no I, I i was i was a very big fan good yeah i so. i liked it i i wouldn't say I, like i loved it but i i thought it was it was good. It was fine. Yeah. Like, like I said, like the music was really great and the story was fine. And I, but I think it kind of evens out to, to pretty good. Yeah. And it's, it's not a movie that'll be on like my top list of anything specific, but I, I would definitely watch it again. Yeah. Well, uh, before we go, I just want to mention real quick, you already know about this done, but so there's this, uh, podcast that I listen to called, uh, fake movies. They're a small podcast like us, although I think they get a few more listeners than, than we do. But so they basically come up with movie plots and, and discuss them. Usually they like to say that their movies would have come out in the 80s or 90s. So it's like 80s or 90s movie plots. Uh, I very often send in my thoughts about their stories because uh, they have at the beginning of every episode uh, uh, like a section for fan suggestions of episodes they've previously done anyway i am in contact with them a bunch and uh i kind of wrote my own fake movie plot for them and sent it in to them and they said that their next week's episode from when we're recording which will be the day that this comes out uh is going to be that episode so if anyone wants to go over and listen to fake movies the episode uh rhythm is gonna get you because the pl they all their plots are inspired by movie titles usually so mine is inspired by gloria estefan herself uh <laughs> uh so yeah if you want to go listen to uh, their version of a story that i came up with you can go listen to rhythm is gonna get you on uh fake movies great yeah we'll we'll link that in the show notes and we'll uh i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll put it up on our instagram and and twitter so people can find that as well yeah yeah but if you want to find us on social media and other places you can send us an email at imitatingart1 at gmail.com and you can find us on uh instagram and twitter at <laughs> at imitating art pod yeah. it's been a while yeah. since i messed that up <laughs> and uh <laughs> if you want to find me individually it's big f and moose on all of the socials 
spelled like it sounds. And uh, <laughs> if it, I feel like I have, um, I have to complete it in my head, and I just say it out loud. Yeah. But uh, if you want to find me, <laughs> if you want to find me individually, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Don't Worry I'm Finite, Twitter at Don Is Finite, and YouTube.com slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. Thanks for sticking with us through this one. It was a really fun one. And it's been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. I always just want to say zippity doo dah. <laughs> Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.